dear listeners, welcome to Medicine Today on Digital Health, the podcast on how technology and digital health are being developed and adopted around the globe. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and our destination today is Dubai. Dubai is one of the seven Emirates in United Arab Emirates. It is the most populous city and emirate in the country with a GDP of 82 billion US dollars. It's a global business hub that keeps transforming rapidly. In October 2016, Dubai even launched a citywide blockchain strategy with the objective of becoming the first blockchain-powered city driving the future economy by 2020. Dubai is the most cosmopolitan city in the world with 83% of population being foreign-born, according to the World Migration Report. It's a young city with young population which influences the healthcare development. So how does this influence healthcare development and technology adoption? You will hear from four speakers. Michael Strout, International Healthcare Executive from the UK, who is currently Director at Dubai Healthcare City. Brian De Francesca, CEO of a telemedicine company Vertu, based in Dubai. And two representatives of Dubai Health Authority, Mazin Agadir and Osama El-Hassan. For a warm-up, let's start with the introduction of environment in Dubai. Michael Strout has been living here since 2003, almost 15 years. He came from the UK because this is a place where innovation can happen, the system is in development, not burdened by and rigid because of the past. You moved in UAE in 2003. What uh, drove you out of the UK? What attracted you here? Apart from um, the sun, I assume. Uh, no, no, it was the police. You know, I was a wanted man. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I'd always uh, had an interest in working overseas, uh, and uh, I, and the hospital I was running in London, which was the Wellington Hospital, which is the largest private hospital in the UK, and uh, a lot of our business was was with overseas, particularly with uh, with the Middle East. So I got to know an awful lot, lot of people in this part of the world. So one day, one of them said, well, wouldn't you like to come and work in Dubai? I have a hospital and I'd like you to come and manage it. So I came over, I had a look. And, and it's very different here in, in, in the UAE. The, the private sector is like the public sector in that the majority of healthcare is delivered by the private sector. So you have what are called full service hospitals. So you have emergency rooms, you do everything. Whereas in the UK, in the private sector, it tends to be elective surgery driven. And uh, so they don't, for instance, do pediatrics. They don't do obstetrics and gynecology. They don't. All of that is done by the NHS. So all complex medicine in the UK is done by the NHS. So it was an opportunity to experience managing full-service hospitals. And indeed, that's what I've done in the, what, 15 years now that uh, I've been in, in the UAE and managed various hospitals, hospital groups, uh, now managing university hospitals. Prior to coming to DHCM, I was the CEO of the University Hospital Sharjah. Uh, and, uh, and now I was asked to come to DHCM 
to actually develop the university hospital here in Dubai. How is the culture here and running a hospital here different from the UK? Because the system is different in a way things are adopted and in the way how fast change can happen. Um, the differences are not as great as you may think if you are focused on what healthcare is all about. Uh, and healthcare is providing uh, treatment and management of conditions for patients with, with those conditions. So what you should be focused on is the delivery of those services and then being able to measure the outcomes of what treatment or management you've given to that patient. The objective being is that the patient comes in through your facility, leaves your facility in a better condition than when they when they came in. Um, if that's not your, your objective, then you shouldn't be in, in healthcare. So those are the fundamental blocks uh, and objective of all healthcare providers where I, wherever they are in the world. Different um, countries have different systems. So in the UK, we have the National Health Service, uh, which is free at the point of delivery. But like all countries, which has a free healthcare service, you pay for it out of your direct taxation. Whereas in other countries, you have a health insured scheme. So the hospitals are, uh, are managed in the back office in a slightly different way to everywhere else. But at the front, all healthcare facilities are the same, that they are treating patients in the, the best possible way uh, using um, evidence-based medicine to get the best possible outcome. So there's no difference. Since uh, 83% approximately of the population here is foreign-born, so I imagine that the general standard here and the problems coming with it are much different than in an, any other society. Yes, absolutely. That's very true. And that, unfortunately, is not a well-known fact. So if we look at Europe, for instance, in Europe, uh, the uh, the percentage of the population, which is over 60 years of age, is it varies between 20 and 50%. So in the UK, for instance, it's about 30%, but in, if you, in some of the Scandinavian countries, it's 50%. Therefore, the uh, occurrence of what we call chronic disease cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, etc., is is very high. The average age here in the UAE is only 38 years of age. Everybody who comes to work in the UAE has to be fit in order to get a visa. So generally speaking, their, uh, their health and welfare is pretty good. So you do not have the same epidemiology or disease profile as uh, as everywhere else and epidemiology and disease profile is how you plan healthcare and the healthcare needs of a nation uh, and the UAE unfortunately has very poor epidemiology and therefore we do not know what are the main issues uh, we know that you know the biggest killers in the UAE are cardiovascular disease and cancer However, that's the same in the West. The difference is, is the volume of patients that you get here in the UAE who have cardiovascular disease, who have cancer, is much, much lower. If you're not treating very many patients, let's say with lung cancer, then you may not be practicing evidence-based medicine. 
One of the things that Dubai Healthcare is trying to achieve is become the leader or um, a stronger player in the field of medical tourism, for example. So what kind of clientele comes here and where do you see the strong points of Dubai compared to, let's say, India or, or Thailand? Uh, it's very difficult to make comparisons because you're comparing us with healthcare systems which are much more mature than the than the UAE. Uh, when I came in to the UAE 15 years ago, the the quality of healthcare that was provided here was pretty poor, and and thus mo- the majority of people exited the country for their healthcare. It has developed very rapidly over the last uh, 15 years, but it's not at the same level as countries like India and, and Thailand, which, you know, they've been at it for, you know, decades and generations. So their healthcare system has matured. They have a lot of uh, infrastructure supporting, so they will be training their own doctors, their own nurses, their own allied health. Um, they will have good epidemiology, so they have good uh, planning and, and strategic approach to, to healthcare. The UAE doesn't have that. So in order to be good at health tourism or to become a center of health tourism, you must have very good um, healthcare outcomes. So people are looking to come to your country to manage your condition. So there are two ways of looking at health tourism. You can look at it in terms of wellness, or you can look at it in terms of managing complex conditions. And if you look at health tourism around the world, most of it is is in the management of complex conditions, not of wellness. Wellness is added value. So people go to Thailand, to Singapore, uh, for a health checkup because it is in comparison, let's say, to the UAE, very much cheaper. Uh, so they, you get very good value for money. If you're in health tourism, what we call the acute sector, it is not price sensitive because people are looking for, uh, if, well, some would say the miracle cure. They're looking for somebody who's going to make them better. And that doesn't have a price. So, for instance, if your mum or dad was very ill, you would you would do whatever it takes to make them better, you would take them to any part of the world, irrespective of cost. So there's two different types of uh, market. So at the moment, Dubai can provide the wellness part of it, but it doesn't have the, uh, the clinical resources in order to manage this group of people here. Because healthcare is about people. It's about the healthcare professionals who are delivering the service, not about buildings, because hospitals are just buildings with equipment in them. And But you need people who can operate those things, who have experience in managing conditions. And you mentioned before that the population here is quite uh, young and also healthier than uh, in other countries. So how can you get experience if you don't have complex patients or... I can understand that maybe you don't you you need specific experience. So if you don't have older population here, then you just don't need that much of experience with that. So what is kind of the expertise or the contribution of research done here, let's say on a more global uh, level? So what what is the focus of development and innovation here? Uh, that's actually quite a difficult one to answer. In order to have healthcare innovation, you've got to have a healthcare strategy. 
Uh, and the, unfortunately, there is no national strategy. So Dubai has its own healthcare system, Abu Dhabi. Each of the Emirates has its own uh, approach to, to healthcare. And therefore, it's uncoordinated, particularly at a tertiary level. So if you're looking at... But uh, is there that really that much of a problem? And in what sense is that a problem? So you talk about treating uh, certain things. We mentioned cancer. Uh, for a population of 10 million, there really should be only one, maybe two cancer centers for the whole of the UAE. At the moment, in development, there could be as many as 10. So therefore, we're spreading already uh, a limited number of patients with cancer amongst many cancer centers. Therefore, we are not getting the exposure and therefore the experience in the treatment of the various cancers. And creating inefficiency, basically. Well, you're not achieving the appropriate outcomes. Uh, and uh, what we call five-year survival rates. Uh, and the, so you can only achieve that, as they've done in the rest of the world, is having centers of excellence. So whichever country you come from, you will have a cancer center which is known nationally and sometimes internationally. Same with cardiothoracic, uh, um, cardiovascular disease. You will have a center uh, which focuses uh, on that. And I know in Slovenia that is the case. You go to any country. Uh, and you will know these 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 things in uh, in the UK, and there are many known in the states, such as MD Anderson, the Mayo, Johns Hopkins. These are all centres of excellence in certain areas of medicine, but in particular with uh, with cancer, and they're treating a lot of patients, and therefore they're developing the expertise. But of course, then from the expertise and the volume of patient, you get research. And research changes the way that we manage disease. And there is no research here in uh, in the UAE. So you've been here for the last 10 years, and it seems like you're going to stay at least for a few more years. What has been keeping you here with all the critical perspective that you just gave us? And where do you see maybe the whole healthcare system or maybe just the Dubai Healthcare Center in, let's say, five to 10 years? Um, the, the reason I stay is that we are a relatively small country in the UAE, um, but people like myself can make a difference in terms of developing the healthcare system. And I've seen lots of changes uh, here in the UAE in the time that I've been here. Hopefully, I've made a contribution to that, uh, particularly in terms of bringing uh, better um, specialized talent, doctors, nurses, uh, allied health professionals here who the, and the people who deliver healthcare. And that has resulted in significant improvement in, in the quality of healthcare that's delivered here in, uh, in the UAE. Uh, and that's why I'll continue and, and stay here because I think I can still make a contribution, which I could not do back in my own country because the healthcare system there is very mature and I would be a very, very small cog in a very, very, very big wheel. Can you maybe just say a few more words about the Dubai Healthcare uh, Center city as well? Uh, since it's the largest uh, healthcare-free zone, um, which occupies 4.1 million square feet, mm -hmm. which is just huge. And that's just for wellness. Oh, right. Well, there's phase one and there's phase two. Uh, so we're in phase one. 
Uh, and the, the purpose of a healthcare city is to concentrate healthcare facilities and healthcare professionals so that you have access to many branches of medicine in, in a very uh, defined geographic area. So it means that cross-referrals to the appropriate clinicians and facilities takes place. And you can use examples. So um, the one that I've actually been to outside the UAE is Houston Medical City, where you have some of the best healthcare facilities in the world, MD Anderson, Texas Children's, St. Luke's, uh, Methodist, Herman, all in uh, in a very relatively small area. So you have a huge amount of uh, healthcare experience in a very defined area. And that is a very good idea as long as you have uh, healthcare planning, uh, that you don't saturate it with uh, too many of one thing. So if your, uh, if your healthcare city is just full of general hospitals, you're not developing tertiary expertise or very defined specific expertise. And the way that you do that is to say, right, well, if you're going to be a cancer center, we're only going to have one cancer center in in Dubai Healthcare City, or we're going to have one cardiothoracic center. So you give people the opportunity to grow their volume of patients, which improves their outcomes, because practice makes perfect. And that healthcare is exactly the same. Have you ever visited a doctor here? Did you ever needed medical attention while you were here? And what was the experience, if the answer is yes? <laughs> uh, I've um, not uh, visited a doctor for any acute condition. I've had health screens done, uh, and the experience was uh, was very good. Yeah. Was it done in your facilities, the, the facilities you were managing? Absolutely. So we can't quite believe you about your objectivity. Uh, correct. <laughs> But you have to test your own system. That's true. So in terms of, uh, let's say, technology adoption and med tech, uh, how um, fast is innovation happening here and how fast is it being adopted? Right. So what's that side of Dubai in terms of trying to be a global something also in healthcare? Well, the, uh, the, the development in terms of innovation can be very rapid uh, and sometimes it's too rapid because it's not planned properly. So I'll give you an example that uh, the adoption of electronic medical records throughout the world is now gaining great momentum and every country is moving that way. Uh, uh, here in the UAE, nearly el every healthcare provider at primary, secondary and tertiary level have electronic medical records. So they're way ahead of the rest of the world in terms of adoption of digital technology. Uh, and if you have patient archiving systems, it's all digital. Uh, our insurance systems are all digital. So we have adopted things that are happening elsewhere, brought them here to the UAE, And we've given the momentum. So, because the wonderful thing about this part of the world is that we can, to a certain extent, dictate how things are adopted. Whereas in the rest of the world, particularly with information technology, because of data protection acts, then it has to be much slower. It has to go through the legislative system. Here, we adopt it. Things can only happen if there is a wider political support for innovation. As mentioned in the beginning, Dubai launched a citywide blockchain strategy in 2016. 
how is it progressing and what are the expectations of digital health development is explained by Mazina Vadir, Senior Specialist at the Executive Office for Organizational Transformation at the Dubai Health Authority, and Osama El Hassan, Head of eHealth Section at the Dubai Health Authority. The Dubai Health Strategy that was launched in April 2016 with His Highness's vision for a healthier and happier community has emphasized a number of uh, mega, mega trends in healthcare. So, for example, we're looking at examining the efficiency and effectiveness of healthcare services, starting from primary care and prevention and healthy lifestyles, medical tourism and health and wellness, and how can Dubai attract and compete in attracting medical patients and medical tourists um, from across the region and the world. There are also a huge push towards uh, centers of excellence, specifically in oncology and cardiovascular. Uh, the community engagement is uh, vital as, as the emphasis on healthy lifestyle has become the norm of this strategy. Uh, in 2021, the idea is to be able to have the infrastructure and the quality of services as well as the technology and innovation to to become a, a, an amble of uh, uh, or a beacon of uh, of excellence when it comes to healthcare services competing with the likes of US UK Singapore so how does dubai compare to let's say abu dhabi and other states uh, inside uh, united arab emirates we can say normally that dubai runs as a company So we were always looking for efficiency, for uh, unique services, for the happiness of our customers. So uh, focusing on the journey more than, it's not only about the outcome, but also uh, the journey. Uh, I think also that now Dubai is trying to push for what we call the digital economy. And because of that, we are uh, fostering innovation, new ideas and adopt them as soon as possible. One interesting thing is that a blockchain strategy has already been uh, written in 2016, and now we're in 2017. How far is uh, the whole idea? How far are actual practical uh, implementations by now? So again, so if you look at the difference between what, what happened in 2016 and now, Now Dubai managed to develop a full eco ecosystem around blockchain. So now if you want to enumerate how many companies specialize in blockchain in Dubai, they set their offices, they push for the use cases with government and private sector. And now by just saying that Dubai, all Dubai government services in 2020 will be blockchain friendly, this has already changed a lot the, the entire ecosystem. And even now, there's a mandate for every government entity in Dubai to push at least two or three use cases by 2018 to be up and running. Are, are there already any ideas how blockchain could be used in a healthcare setting? Yes, we have already identified at least three use cases to be adopted. One of them is around the, the, the uh, supporting or managing the access of patient records within one of our projects called NABLE. What Dubai is trying to do is to um, leapfrog all the advancements in the world, competing with the likes of the U.S. or U.K., as well as, for example, um, the, the advanced um, healthcare system, Singapore, by allowing startups to come in and give them, giving them uh, a number of windows for incubation, for um, nurturing, and healthcare is 
one of the industries that is the focus of leadership. Do you have any interesting examples that you could mention in terms of innovation? What would you say is is really strong here? And where do you see healthcare in, let's say, five to ten years? And on the other hand, what do you think are the the weak points here? So in healthcare, so if you see like within the last five or six years, in the way we, we managed to adopt the, the top uh, EMR project or uh, software in the world. So we have Cerner, we have Epic, and we, I think we did a lot of innovation in how to localize them to our needs. So this is, this is one of the key issues that we managed to do. And uh, this was not kind of a, just a software to apply, but it was kind of a, an organizational transformation. So we transform our workflows, our uh, ways with dealing with patients, using uh, the top technologies to bring to the patient the best diagnosis, diagnosis, best treatment. We are thinking that we just started the era of the health information exchange. So we have now two main projects, one of them called NUMOR, which is a a country-based health information exchange. And we have also an ARPET project, which is the Dubai-specific health information exchange. This is where leapfrog Dubai in terms of population health, providing the best care and uh, providing the patient safety as well. So with regard to the key pain points that, the pain points that we have with, our, with regard to our e-health system, I think that developing our own workforce, devo- uh, people to work in e-health, this mm-hmm. is a really challenging uh, part. We, we should not rely 100% or even 80% on expats. We need to develop our own task force, our own workforce. Is it possible to describe how going to a doctor here differs from going to a doctor either in Abu Dhabi or any other country that you know? What Dubai Health Authority and uh, healthcare in, uh, in Dubai tries to distinguish itself from its uh, peers uh, by allowing more transparency so you're closer to the doctor. Uh, how do you achieve that? Um, I, I believe by utilizing the the current tools, social media, being able to um, uh, have easy access to the doctors, and the fact that I can reach out to any physician and any specialist uh, backed up by my insurance company is something of a unique um, uh, instance. It, the, however, it might drive the cost up, but I believe the transparency in the, the, the actual access to care in Dubai is becoming much more um, feasible, much more easy. So, for example, my wife, when she was um, preparing for her pregnancy and delivery, she had to um, use social media to reach out to a a favorite um, um, uh, gynecologist and then hopefully take that relationship and through the WhatsApp means and social media, we managed to kind of have a more personal interaction with her doctor whenever she felt like uh, having some concerns or asking some questions. So so how often does that happen, that direct communication, let's say, on WhatsApp with a doctor? How do you establish that in the first place? I think, I think on, a, on a very uh, general note or a simple note, um, the, the physicians um, and the doctors in, in any facility in Dubai encourage the personal interaction and with the patient to preserve the, I guess, to preserve the relationship, to encourage uh, the patient to be more 
uh, healthy. What, what what happens is uh, the the doctors in Dubai are are monitored for the quality of care that they issue. They also look at the patient um, as a, a loyal client. Uh, it's a consumer who knows or who knows how to to complain or they can. Uh, complement their services. Uh, the use of social media has become a measurement of quality. And that's why you see a lot of the doctors coming in, um, trying to, first of all, um, uh, depend on um, you, you social media to reach out to their prospective um, patients. They also make sure that their uh, uh, patients are monitored closely uh, with using of apps, if if it's possible, according to the facility, or the use of um, personal um, um, uh, accounts in social media where you have direct interaction. There is a lot of emphasis on healthy lifestyle. So there's, the doctor interferes and actually suggests healthy plans when it comes to dietary consumption, when it comes to exercising. And that is becoming more and more the trend. The broader positive attitude towards business was also what attracted Brian De Francesco to move here 10 years ago. An American with global management experiences works on telemedicine and is convinced that Dubai is a great spot for companies wanting to work globally. You came here quite a few years ago. Why did you spend a decade here already? Why do you see it as a promised land? I'm a little bit, I guess, different than the reason a lot of other expatriates came here. Uh, I was the deputy director of a group of 17 hospitals in Thailand. Uh, Thailand's a wonderful country. I had a great job, uh, really a, a, an ideal job. Something you, you couldn't complain about it. I mean, it's Thailand after all. Uh, as you and I both know, the healthcare systems in most of Europe and most of North America uh, are suboptimal. Uh, I can speak specifically for the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, while there are certainly pockets of excellence there, medical education is a hundred years out of date, uh, is grossly inefficient. There are tremendous problems there. Uh, here in the UAE, when I first came 10 years ago, there's pretty much a blank slate and the opportunity to uh, take the best practices from around the world, hire uh, the best talent from around the world, uh, and build uh, a role model healthcare system uh, that, that could then be used as a role model to show others the best way to do it. So I, I personally did not come here for a job to make money to send home. Uh, I came here to make a global difference to create something that hasn't happened anywhere else on the planet Earth. But you're also working a lot in other uh, countries in development, specifically Ethiopia. So how much business do you actually do here and how much abroad? Dubai is our, our base for our, co our company's operations. And in, for the region, it's, it's, it's a great infrastructure. It's very safe, uh, good business practices. Uh, so if you're going to be working in the, the Middle East, the MENA region, or even in the broader uh, Asia region, uh, it's where you're going to set up your headquarters. At the end of the day, the population of the UAE is small relative to, say, a country like Ethiopia. Uh, we're doing a lot of work in Ethiopia. There's a hundred million people there. So just by market size alone, uh, there's more opportunities in other countries to serve from right here in our base. Uh, we're very involved, uh, with, with Dubai and with the UAE. You know, f for us, it's a mixture of, uh, Dubai is a great home, a home base to serve the entire region. I wouldn't be anywhere else. 
uh, and also uh, just in the mindset alone, there is the desire and attention uh, to want to be connected and embrace the whole idea of a connected world. So how does that mentality show in the healthcare sector specifically? You believe personally, you wrote a lot about how you see Dubai becoming the center of digital health globally. There, there's, a, there's a flaw in us humans. We want everything to happen overnight. Uh, you know, we, we kind of miss out on the fact that the UAE is barely 50 years old. Uh, you know, me personally, I'm older than the UAE. You know, so things don't happen quickly and they definitely don't happen quickly in healthcare. I mean, healthcare reform in the U.S. has been going on for 50 years and healthcare reform in the U.S. has not occurred for 50 years. You know, so when people come here and it's been a couple of years and not much change has been happened or change that's apparent to them done here, they're not looking at it relative to the reality of the the world and the reality of uh, how humans change and how uh, how change t takes in healthcare. I mean, the average time it takes for a piece of technology to get into healthcare, depending on you ask, could be anywhere from 10 to 20 years. You know, so we've been working on some projects. Yes, they've taken a few years to get traction, but a, uh, a few years compared to 10 or 20 years really isn't that bad. So I'm quite happy with the the pace and the progress that we're making. Would I, would I like more to happen overnight? Yeah, certainly. I'd also like my kids to eat their vegetables and get all A's in school. And neither one of those things happen. So you got to be realistic. In terms of um, healthcare and digital health, you're working in the area of telemedicine. So how widespread is that? Um, maybe you can talk a bit about the, the market. Why are you doing telemedicine? And does telemedicine in any way translate to, to Dubai? Dubai is also uh, specific in a sense that the population here is relatively young. And that means that there's also less maybe need for the care that the elderly would receive and which is one of the bigger problems that a lot of digital health solutions or healthcare reforms are trying to figure out globally. So in many ways, that Dubai is far ahead of these other countries in that they have a national telemedicine strategy, they're implementing uh, guidelines and regulations, uh, and now we're at the point of working with the payors uh, to put together payment strategies. I mean, my company, Virtu, is we're actively working with uh, one of the large government insurance companies to put together a, a reimbursement program uh, for the telemonitoring of home care patients. Prior to coming uh, to D Dubai, um, you lived in Thailand, as you mentioned, for a long time, uh, managing hospitals. So how did you go from the real space to kind of more the virtual uh, sphere? What's more attractive here? Your uh, teleradiology program, right, uh, has 600 or something radiologists without actually having any employees Uh, well, most of my background historically has been uh, building, operating, running, turning around, shutting down, anything to do with, with hospitals, healthcare networks. Uh, and, and I did that you know, for decades. Uh, for the past, I guess, 10 years or so, uh, I would use connectivity or connected health uh, to improve 
uh, the reach of my hospitals to improve the efficiencies and the quality of care. Uh, uh, I worked in Thailand. I was deputy director of Dusa Medical Services, a network of 17 hospitals. We had one stroke center in Bangkok, and we did not have any stroke competence at our other 16 locations. So we used connectivity uh, to establish uh, a telestroke network initially uh, between uh, our main hospital in Bangkok and the hospital in uh, on the island of Koh Samui, and then extended that to all seventeen, all sixteen locations. But I did that as a healthcare provider. It was a tool that I used uh, to improve my organization. So, which year? Which year was that? Uh, this was twelve, thirteen years ago. Uh, we 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 were using uh, T one lines that we had run between our facilities for. For the, ta- the standard uh, video conferencing that you do between businesses, uh, we had a supply-demand problem with our radiologists across our network of hospitals. Uh, so we set up our own uh, intranet, so to speak, uh, to push images back and forth. So then that was one of the first uh, teleradiology projects, and that was 17 years ago. Uh, when I came to the UAE, uh, we did the first projects uh, with the use of digital slide scanners for pathology. We had a really great, and there's still a wonderful uh, intensive care unit at Tuam Hospital that's operational 24 hours a day, a lot of intensivists. Uh, so I was involved in the first project there to sit, to share those intensivists remotely uh, with other hospitals. So for all those, you know, the time was being uh, uh, running hospitals, uh, I, 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 I not only saw, but I experienced the ability to use connectivity, uh, which is what I prefer to, instead of using the word telemedicine, uh, but just using connectivity to, uh, to improve care in, in many ways. Uh, and over the past five or six years, I realized that I found the walls of a hospital to be very constraining in that it was, I was very limited by, uh, in the number of people that I could help. I mean, you have a hospital, there's only so many people you can help. You're just limited by time and space, where in the world I'm in now, in the connected virtual digital health world, I can almost help, well, everyone on the planet. Working in Africa, I'm wondering what's your vision or prediction where that market is going to be in, let's say, five to ten years. How differently is that market developing because the infrastructure is not there and let's say drones uh, all the digital stuff it has a better chance to be adopted better i mean many many wonderful things are developed created uh, in the developed world and while these technologies are and inventions originate there they tend to not be put into use there uh, and I'll, I'll give a very, you know, just one very specific example. In, in this, the whole mysterious world of machine learning, cognitive computing, artificial intelligence, whatever name you want to put on it, uh, specifically related to uh, diagnostics. Uh, in in, in uh, diagnostics, such as uh, diagnostic imaging or uh, dermatology or pathology, uh, they you, you effectively end up with an image, and, and, and the diagnostics is related to pattern recognition. Computers are better at pattern recognition. Computers are better at dermatology, better at pathology, better at radiology. 
Uh, now, the challenge with that is if you go to a market like the U.S., where there's 33,000 radiologists that, that's heavily repre- uh, represented by the American Medical Association and talk about disrupting that, well, there's a strong lobby there that is going to want to protect the very high salaries uh, of the radiologists. And I, I, I love radiologists. Some of my best friends are. I have no problem with them making a lot of money. But you're not going to have a rapid uptake and acceptance of the use of AI in diagnostic imaging in the U.S. for years, if not decades to come. You go to a country like Ethiopia, where there's a population of 100 million people. They have 160 radiologists, of which none were trained in subspecialty. They simply don't have the luxury of waiting 50 or 100 years to train enough radiologists. And the good news is they don't have to. They can plug all their modalities uh, into some form of cognitive computing that, that assist with the diagnostic interpretation. And within a handful of years, Ethiopia will have one of the best diagnostic services on the planet Earth. They'll have a higher quality of service. It'll be faster and per unit cheaper than in Baltimore, where I'm from. If you had to write a book today on where you see healthcare going or being in 10 years' time, and I can give you the liberty of choosing which country you want to talk about? Uh, I'd prefer to not limit it to five years or 10 years or 20 years, but just more broadly, uh, as we learn about uh, the, the patients having the potential to own their, their medical information and the opportunities for patients to monetize or sell uh, their information and the tremendous value of that information to various, whether it's governments or insurance companies or pharmaceutical companies, and the use of all these different technologies for optimizing resources, uh, for building uh, capacity. Uh, there, there is a scenario uh, that I see which is extremely contrarian to what everyone else predict is predicting. Uh, for the most part, you're, you're, you're seeing predictions of this global kind of apocalypse where the world shuts down because healthcare spending gets so high that it destroys governments. Uh, I see a scenario where uh, healthcare can become totally free and accessible to all if patient information does become neutralized and monetized, uh, that the, the value of that could more than offset uh, the actual cost of care delivery. Uh, now, that doesn't work in the current U.S. healthcare system that is so expensive, but the only, the main reason it's so expensive in the U.S. is the U.S. healthcare system is grossly inefficient. So if you can get healthcare spending to be four or five percent of GDP and then monetize patient data, effectively you could have free healthcare for everyone on the planet. This was the 21st episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health. If you liked what you've heard, do take a few seconds to rate the podcast so more people eager to improve healthcare will be able to find it. If you're up for a global adventure, you can check out other episodes as well. I've covered Israel, India, US and a few European perspectives by now and look forward to sharing thoughts from Africa and Japan in the near future. But first... The next episode will be on promises in diabetes management by the American source of information when it comes to the industry of diabetes, diabetic investor David Cliff. And then 
I promise, finally, the episode on misconceptions in blockchain will be published. Stay tuned.